Hello. Hey. Hey, I don't know where Gia is. Oh, here she is. Where's Gia? Gia-licious. Gia-licious definition. Make boys go crazy. They always say I'm fucking saying too many things about Mariah. They be up in my comments talking all that shit they want. But when I give them that response, they don't like what I got. I'm Gia-licious. <laughs> she's How also you... promiscuous. <laughs> How long have you been no, working on that? <laughs> hey guys, welcome back to the Obsessed Podcast. It's Gareth Nick and Gia, and this week we are break breaking down Mariah's first number one single, which was the song that started it all for any lamb, and that is Mariah Carey's first single ever, Vision of Love. The song that literally birthed a million lambs. (sighs) Okay, guys, so let's take it back. Let's talk about our first memory of Vision of Love. I'm guessing we kind of rediscovered it at different times because we're all of different ages and probably jumped on lamb trains like a little bit later than each other. So let's talk about where we were at, how we felt when we first heard it. Who wants to go first? So I first heard Vision of Love as a live performance. I was going through a like a YouTube compilation someone had made up and like edited together of like Celine Dion and Ariana Grande versus Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey. So like they pitted like two of them on a team together against two of them or something. And then um, it went through like a just like one of their songs each and like the best like live moment that they had or something. And when it got to Mariah's part, it was Vision of Love live from Good Morning America 1990. And when I first saw her, I was like, this literally isn't Mariah. Like, who is this? She's so skinny. Like, her hair is super curly. Like, I literally don't even recognize her. This woman is gorgeous. She looks just like me. Like, I have no idea. Like, where did this bitch come from? So once Mariah got to the part in the song with that big run at the end and then says turned out to be when she got to that breathy part when she said like like was she like like improvise on the turned out to be part and got breathy I was like oh wait that is Mariah because I could recognize her voice in that breathy moment because everything else was so like bold and clear and very different than what I had ever heard from Mariah at that point, because this was about like 2015. I remember exactly where I was. I was in my room at this townhouse that I had and um, I was just in bed and she was like in her little suit dress jacket moment, blazer something, you know? And I literally was like, oh my fucking God, that's Mariah Carey. Like it was an eye-opening moment for me. Like literally like Vision of Love is the first song that literally made me a lamb. Like. I say that about a lot of things, I think, but this is when I woke up to Mariah and, you know, cause I've talked about how touch my body was my, um, was my first single that I bought and I had obsessed and things of that nature, but I wasn't like 
a lamb. I wasn't a big fan or anything, but this song literally woke me up to a whole discography of music. And it's the song that I remember. It's the song that I have tattooed on my arm. You know, like there's so many things I could talk about this song, but I want, I want one of you guys to go into your first memory. I remember seeing her on TV. I've said this multiple times, but nothing really stuck out around this time because I was like, what, four, nearly five years old. So uh, I didn't really discover the song in all of its glory until probably 2002. So obviously I've said it before about jumping on with Rainbow and everything. And I was all about that kind of moment of Mariah and rediscovering all of her like hip hop, R&B, pop crossover moments. So a couple of my friends had said to me, like, you need to go back and listen to her older stuff. And they were like, get number ones, get number ones. And then I got number ones and I first heard it on there. And I thought, oh, okay, it sounds really different. I'd heard Hero and I thought, okay, I remember that. But then Vision of Love was just out of this world. And I didn't really fully get it. I thought it's iconic as a single, as a lead single, debut single. And I thought, I need to get the album to really appreciate it in all of its, like, um, style and vibe. Because and, she was a brand new artist at this point. So I did. I got the debut album, listened to it, and I just, I fell in love with it as part of the album. And I just thought it's, like, knocking everything out like, out the park. Like, the the lyrics, the the vocals, the runs, the belts, the whistle notes that's like just sort of come out of nowhere. Um and I was just blown away. And there's a thing about Vision of Love. It is very much of that time when you think about it, like in terms of its style, like 19, late 1980s, early 1990s. But the thing about it is it's very soulful. And I think had it been an up-tempo song that should have released, it probably would have sound stuck like maybe something like Someday. But because it's a soulful ballad and there's so much going on with her voice, I feel like there's no timestamp on it. So I completely me- agree. I think Vision of Love is literally timeless. Like, yeah, it, yeah absolutely. Songs like One Moment in Time, it's just like, yeah, that's definitely the 80s. And I know that has its own thing too, but like there's something about Vision of Love that's just like the sci-fi intro as well. It's just like, this is the birth of Mariah Carey as we know her. So it's always that like the start of something great for me. Yeah, it, Mariah is so lucky to have this as her debut song. Like it really touched on every aspect of what mariah carey is as an artist the big vocals the elusiveness the low notes the high notes everything this couldn't have been any more perfect for mariah carey as a debut song 100 100 from the beginning of that like gong banging type moment in the beginning all the way to the end with that belt and the runs at the end like that song is fucking flawless and we will get into it but first I want to hear Nick's first experience of Vision of Love. Okay, so I have kind of a cute story. I'm more like Gareth. Uh, Again, I became a lamb back in 1995 when Fantasy was released. So I always kind of knew who Mariah was. But one of my very first memories of Mariah, actually, this is my very first memory of Mariah Carey. I don't know how old I was. I could have been four or five, but I remember it vividly. I was sitting in a drive-thru with my mom at McDonald's. I don't, again, I don't know how old I was. And Vision of Love had come on the radio. 
And Mariah does the high note at the end. And I said, Mom, why is this woman screaming? And she said, Nick, she's not screaming. I was like, no, Mom, she is screaming. And I, do, I remember this clearly. She said, whatever, Nicholas. And that was it. And I remember it very, very well. But yeah, that was my first memory of Vision of Love and of Mariah Carey, period. That's quite cute that your mum said she was singing, because if it had it have been my mum, like, she was always turned off as soon as she came on TV for saying that she doesn't sing, she shouts, and always turned off. So that's quite nice that someone's mum has said, like, it's singing, she's singing, so I quite like that. I have to credit my mom for exposing me to a lot of good music when I was growing up. My mom was like, I, I don't know if people would say that this is like good music comparatively to other people, but my mom, my mom was younger when she had me. I think she was 20 and she listened to all of like the popular music on the radio. We always had the radio going. My mom had cassette tapes. I always played it. We had this nice little stereo system. So my mom was really always into music but i really love how she explained to me that she's not screaming but at that time we had never heard anything like that at least i haven't when you hear mariah hit that very very high note so as a small child you're obviously going to think in your head why the fuck is she screaming but yeah that was my story of little nick discovering mariah carey but i didn't become a fan then but i like i said before i always remember mariah and hearing on the radio i can remember hearing hero and kind of like singing it to myself or whatever but like again i didn't really get my wig snatched until 1995 with fantasy that's the thing though about like and i don't know if it's just because that we have that sort of like that similarity in our stories i know that they're, they're still quite different but it's something always something about her every time i've seen her on tv and i do vaguely remember seeing her before i'd heard without you but without you was the first time i'd heard her and i was always sort of like a bit more latched onto her then but again didn't really sign on until a bit later but i always sort of like checked in whenever she popped up on tv or whatever or on the radio or whatever and you could always recognize the voice and always recognize her when you saw her even though her look changed drastically like from the beginning of the 90s to the end of the 90s but i don't know i can't put my finger on it that what makes her so intriguing there was always something really intriguing there isn't there was an elusive um thing about her there was something a bit mysterious about her as well like she didn't have i know she did have a polished look but she didn't look as polished as whitney or celine and it probably was to do with her age um that she still was allowed to wear certain things that did say yes she's in her early 20s but like it's there was still something about it that I just thought, I don't know what it was. And I can't, still can't put my finger on exactly what it was, but there was always something that made me sort of like look up and pay attention to her. I do remember a lot from this time before 1995 and becoming a lamb that it's like Mariah explains all the time. People would ask, always ask her like Oprah asked her, what are you? I do remember that always being a conversation about Mariah, but like you said, it, she was very intriguing. I knew she was there. I also remember listening to Music Box with my friend on cassette tape uh, back in the early 90s as well. But I don't know what it was about fantasy that really snatched me up, but I really never gave her the time of day until fantasy. But I always knew she was there. So I know exactly what you're saying. That's how I feel too. Like I didn't really give her, like I knew I had some of her singles on my phone, you guys, like I've said this a lot, but I really don't think I like gave her a chance until I heard Vision of Love live. 
and it really like woke me the fuck up and I was like this bitch can fucking sing like really sing she is amazing and I really like I'm so grateful that this song exists you guys like so grateful so with that shall we get into a little bit about vision of love or how are we feeling yeah give us the tg tell us about the single from when it came out and all of that jazz all righty so vision of love is mariah carey's debut single off of her debut album entitled mariah carey it was recorded in 1989 at skyline recording studio in new york city and it was it was on her demo tape actually it was the first number one out of 19 number ones and it is four out of five songs from the demo made it to the album so that's actually like amazing do we think that okay before we go on do we think that uh, here we go around again was the fifth one and that that one was all five of her demo songs were eventually released there's there's some kind of like a discussion interview whatever with ben margulies or whatever and he mentions that there was a song here we go around again and i don't i can't remember that i'm sure he says that that was part of the demo hypnotized was also on the demo and we've never got that so no oh I, yeah the, the answer that's is right definitely no so maybe here we go around again was supposed to be just for the album then so like i said vision of love is the debut single by american singer songwriter and record producer mariah fucking Carrie. It was written by Carrie and Ben Margulies. The song was released as the lead single from Mariah Carey's self-titled debut on May 15, 1990, after being featured on Carrie's demo tape for Columbia. The song was re-recorded and then produced by Rhett Lawrence and Narada Michael Walden. Vision of Love features a slow dance style theme tempo and backing vocals sung by Carrie herself and introduces her usage of the whistle register. Lyrically, the song describes both a past and present relationship with some type of lover, quote unquote. Carrie describes the vision of love she dreamed of as well as the present love that she feels for him or, you know, the moment. So with that... Okay, so do we think that this song is a love song about a person? Or do we think it's like the original Jesus moment, the OG Jesus song? Yes, Jesus, Jesus is the answer. Or how do we feel about that? (laughs) I think it is kind of like a bit of both, a bit of a love letter slash thank you to God for saying that, you know, she had a dream and because of her faith in herself and her actual religious faith she's been blessed with something that she's been able to use and that's now been rewarded in having this chance so i do firmly believe it's a bit of both it's a bit of a play on the lyrics but i totally get a a a god kind of like vibe from this not heavy but subtle didn't she say in the book that it was about god because she said a couple of conflicting things throughout the year that it was about her love for somebody in the moment and after she was in the moment and then later down the line she said it was about god so there's a lot of conflicting things about the song that mariah that mariah has said herself she did say on the adventures of mimi tour on the interview for it that the lyrics could be taken two different ways i don't know if she said then that it was like intended that way or if it was just um open to interpretation from what it was written she didn't really 
And I think she really went into it. I agree with you. I think that she's just leaving it up for interpretation with the fan or the listener because, you know, Mariah never talks about any of that stuff anyway. I've always wondered if she ever had a thing with Ben Margulies. Have y'all ever thought about that? No. I have not really thought about that. I thought he was cute. But I've never seen him in real life or what he looks like. So I don't know. I've never seen an interview that he's done. I'm not that kind of lamb that goes out there and researches that kind of stuff. But I think I've seen him. He's I think from what I remember, he is a decent looking guy, but he's not really stuck in my brain. Just just from what he's mentioned of here, here we go around again. That's all really. I want to see more interviews from Ben because I wonder if he signed like an NDA or something or some kind of deal because he is never out there talking about Mariah and he kind of really invented these Mm. classic original bangers by Mariah. So it would always be interesting to me to hear his side of the story from it. If he has any malice towards Mariah or anything like that, I'd I'd love to hear his story. He can't really, because didn't she say in the book that he got like, 30%, 30%, I might be wrong with my numbers here, but I'm sure she said that he got 30% of record sales of something. It was some ridiculous number of a percentage of the overall sales all the way up to the late 90s or something, like by the time her record contract ended or something. There was some kind of deal made with him because of um, the first album and then they kind of didn't want him to come back. Like Love Takes Time was obviously written with Walter Afanasiev, so he he was back by default but i think that there was some kind of weird um agreement just to keep him in the loop and gaining some money but because of i really do need to go back and read this book because there's some good detail in there and some of it is just a bit cloudy for me right now two years down the line but there's something that he got a really good deal out of um releases a really shady deal yeah yeah i think that tommy and his corporate goons snatched mariah from him because he had a diamond in the rough with mariah so i think that tommy recognized that uh, this is going to be the best-selling female artist of all time, and I'm going to put all my fucking money into Mariah, and I'm going to snatch this from Ben, and I'm going to make him sign some kind of contract, give him a little bit of coin, and he can go on his merry little way. And if we remember correctly with Tommy Mottola, he's all about the NDA agreement, so probably. Oh, Tommy Mozzarella. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> all right, then. Should we get into any lyrics? Yeah. Okay. So this song, Vision of Love by Mariah Carey, starts off with this sort of like gong bang type celestial type moment. And it sounds like there's stars shimmering and this bitch is emerging from the fucking ocean. And Mariah gives us the iconic fucking run where she goes down the scale and head voice and then gives us some low notes. And then the song begins lyrically it goes treated me kind sweet destiny carried me through desperation to the one that was waiting for me it took so long still i believed somehow the one that i needed would find me eventually i had a vision of love and it was all that you've given to me prayed through the night felt so alone suffered from alienation Carried the weight on my own. Had to be strong, so I believed. And now I know I've succeeded in finding the place I conceived. I had a vision of love, and it was all that you've given to me. I had a vision of love, 
and it was all that you've given to me. I realized the dream and I visualized the love that came to be. Feel so alive. I'm so thankful that I've received the answer that heaven has sent down to me. You treated me kind. Yeah. Sweet destiny. And you know that you did. And you know that you did. <laughs> and I'll be eternally grateful. Holding you so close to me. Prayed through the nights. Prayed through the nights. So faithfully. So faithfully. Faithfully. <laughs> Knowing the one that I needed would find me eventually. I had a vision of love. And it was all that you given to me. I had a vision of love. And it was all that you turned out to be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So obviously, the lyrics on their own do not give the song justice at all whatsoever, right? Like, No, they have to be sung. They have to be yeah. sung in the style of Mariah, or it's just not giving you the same moment. But clearly, she's talking about the love that she visualized and where she is now. So with all of that, it totally makes sense that it could be taken more than one way. Mm -hmm. Vision of Love received universal acclaim from the music critics. While the song's production was typical late 1980s pop, the vocals were not. Being much more slowly and expressing a wider range than artists popular at the time, such as Paula Abdul and Debbie Gibson. It was credited with popularizing the use of melisma in contemporary popular music and for inspiring several artists to pursue a music career. Several, many, 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 many artists. So in the United States, Vision of Love entered the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 at number 73 during the week of June 2nd, 1990 and reached the chart summit nine weeks later. The song remained atop the chart for four consecutive weeks and was ranked sixth on the Hot 100 year-end chart. After four weeks at number one, it fell to number eight and spent seven weeks lingering in the top 10. It also topped the Hot R&B and Hip Hop songs chart for two weeks and Hot Adult Contemporary Tracks chart for three weeks. In October 2019, the Recording Industry Association of America, the RAA, credited the song Platinum, denoting shipments over 1 million units. In the United Kingdom, the song entered the UK singles chart at 74 during the week of August 4th, 1990. Vision of Love peaked at number nine in its seventh week and spent a total of 12 weeks in the chart. According to official charts company, the sales in the UK are estimated at 198,000 combined sales. The UK was slow to give Mariah Carey any kind of love. Yeah, I was going to say, like, what do we think about, like, how successful it was in America versus the UK? Because they kind of started off in the same place on the chart, but it really didn't go anywhere in the UK compared to how big it was here. What was the peak for the UK? Was it number nine? Nine. Number nine, yeah. So I guess that's still, like, kind of big. Like, I feel like anything in the top in the top 40 is listened to. You know what I mean? In the UK. No, I mean, in general, I'm not sure. Like, I've right. never, like, been to the UK. But in my experience in America, 
anything that's in the top 40, you, like you've heard it. Yes, over here it's more like the top 20. Top 20 was considered good. It meant your record was getting heard. We do have the top 40. I'm up showing my age a little bit for all the UK lambs that listen to radio on a Sunday for the charts. But like on a Sunday, they would always do a rundown of the top 40. If you were out, out of the top 20, it meant your song was either unsuccessful or just old. Like it's done its thing in the charts. For it to go in at 74, it's kind of it's kind of poor. But um But she climbed her way up to number nine. Exactly. And I think in a way, like in America, like when she came out, it was like this this new this new girl, you know, there was Whitney and Celine, so people were like, oh, let's take a chance on the on the new one. So um, it was a fresh face, fresh sound. I know obviously she was sort of like within a certain template, but it was still fresh in comparison when you really look into the stylistics of how she sang and the lyrics and the fact she writes her own songs and produces her own records, which I don't know if in America everybody knew that then, but like over here we would have probably overstepped that and not looked into that so people probably over here people probably thought like mm, okay it's a ballad people were probably more into like i want to dance with somebody or those kind of like more up-tempo songs from somebody who could like really like belt out a song um so it's a bit of a shame that we didn't really sort of like buy into songs like someday or um even emotions I, I don't know it's real real big missed opportunities she was always on like the late night tv shows like top of the pops and wogan des o'connor so i feel like because of that that's when like people late in their teens or 20s or even older were going out and buying the record there probably wasn't any kids buying it like around the age of 10 or 15. It's really interesting to me that it only sold around 200,000 copies to date but in america it sold five times more at a million copies. That's really interesting to me. It's always really interesting to me to think about how the UK and the US differ in music tastes. It's it's strange to me. It's, yeah, it's so weird to me too, because like we know looking back that Mariah popped off in Europe with Music Box. Like, I, it's so interesting to me. Like Vision of Love is like that bitch to me. And then like, the other songs from Music Box like aren't giving me that same like oh shit factor as Vision of Love. So it is very interesting. It is because when you consider before streaming and before like YouTube where you can hear anything from any part of the world, if an artist was successful but they weren't like worldwide marketable let's say then they probably just stay within their continent so when you think of certain songs that have been huge all over the world and somebody who is a worldwide famous artist like mariah carey is now and has been for quite some the majority of a career um it kind of it's baffling that it didn't kick off with at least one or two of the songs from that whole album I agree. Sense? Yeah, I, I, it makes sense to me. And what you were saying made me think, like, I want to know how this song did in Japan because I want to know, like, when she started popping the fuck off in Japan. Okay, so I have some tea on Japan, and it's really, really interesting. Give us the tea on Japan, Nick. It didn't even chart in Japan. Oh, wow, that's crazy. That is, isn't crazy. that crazy? Yeah, that's an interesting point to think about. Is when did Japan start loving MC? They have one single release for Vision of Love, and it's a mini disc. That's it. That's crazy to me. Well, when we get to the break breakdown single of the song that 
started popping off in Japan, we'll let you guys know. I bet it was someday. I have a feeling it's someday. Do you think it was off the debut? I feel like it was All I Want for Christmas. Oh, could be. Or maybe when Music Box started popping off, like maybe Japan was like, oh, come on, Hero, you know? But don't forget around this time as well, she was considered like R&B. R&B wasn't the same as what it sort of like became when it became more mainstream. I mean, I feel like she helped that, but like she was also considered adult contemporary as well. Like, is that even a thing anymore? Like, I don't really feel like that's ever been a huge genre, but even though it was still pretty much like R&B pop, and I don't get why because of it fitting within that, those two genres that it wasn't bigger, but it just... I don't know, it fell under that same category for like, I don't know, auntie kind of music. And I don't know why, because uh, it's a lot more current and a lot more, like, lyrics are a lot more resonant with everyday, like, what's going on in the world, like, everyday society. Like, you listen to some of the, you read some of the lyrics, sorry, in, in her album notes, it doesn't matter which album. And so many of those lyrics can be relevant today. But also, one thing you said, like, auntie music, I do feel like Mariah's older music, especially what the stuff that she wrote when she was very young, sounds very mature for her age. Like this song does not give me like, oh, I'm 18, 19, 20 years old writing this music. It gives me like, oh shit, we've like been through it. And like, like, yeah, the lyrics are very simple, but they do what they need to do. And they're vague in a way that is like, Obviously, you can interpret it whatever way you want, but it's so ingenious to me. I feel like we don't get the same amount of maturity in the lyric that we did back when she was younger, which is weird to me because obviously she's more mature now. Obviously, she's eternally 12, but that's just how I feel. Well, all right, then let's get into some of the live performances of Vision of Love. Because honestly, that's literally what made me a lamb. And as we know, Mariah Carey sang the fuck out of Vision of Love every time she performed it. Not one of the performances were ever lip synced. And let's get into some of our favorite performances of it, because there are so many of them. I know we all probably have a different favorite one. So Mariah's television debut, her first live performance of Vision of Love was on Arsenio Hall, where she was joined on stage by Billy T. Scott, the ensemble, a trio of male background vocalists. What are your thoughts on this performance? Because it's really mad to me. It's not my favorite one. Her hair's a little wet looking. And she she kind of is like flopping her hand around. Like this was before we got a lot of movement. And I need my hands moving around so I feel like this was before we got in the groove of things because this is her first performance this is her debut darling so I'm sure she was nervous we know she is a little bit she's got a bit of stage fright darling so it's not one that I go to personally how do you guys feel about it I'm really mad about it during all these performances that we go through because I just want to state this before we go on any further I am a sucker for the O's that Mariah riffs at the end. Oh, 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 oh. So I have an O counter for each one of these. And she only did two O's in this. So I was like, meh. It was all right. For a, first, for a debut on Arsenio Hall that's iconic, imagine being in that audience and watching this performance for the first time. 
Yeah, I agree. I love more than two OOs, but you know, we have, we have differing opinions about how many there should be. And we will get into that. But yes, I do agree that this one is not giving me what, you know, I expect from the song most times, but I'll let you guys know. I'll let you guys know. Gareth, what do you think? Do you remember this performance? Do you remember this song? Do you remember this song? I do remember it. It's not really one that sticks in my head. Um, it's, it is cute for a first television performance. It's not the one I would go to all the time. I don't hate it. It's, it's lovely, but it's just not the one that sticks in my mind. She's also wearing that black dress that she wore all the time during the Vision of Love promo. Oh, I thought that she was wearing a red dress in this performance. I thought that was on GMA. No, she was wearing like a black suit in GMA. Like a blazer moment. Yeah, with like some shoulder pads and everything. Um, Moving on. All right, so on to another performance of Vision of Love, Good Morning America, in July of 1990. The vocal styling was a little, or the styling of the song musically was a little bit different as it was just piano, vocals, and two background singers. Mariah does seven O's at the end. I live for the seven O's. Another thing about this is it's so very of the time to watch a video like this, to see the background singer's hair and what they look like. It always trips me out to see it. And also another notable moment is one of the background singers, the one who was doing the wrong note in the vanishing performance, is also doing a wrong note in this performance. And you can see one of the background singers look over at him like, what are you doing? And Mariah look over like, girl, like, can you get it the fuck together, please? So it's just another funny moment that's like a little bit more subtle, but also hilarious if you know that that was the singer doing the wrong note in Vanishing. Are you talking about the one that keeps changing out wigs through each of these performances on? I I don't know if they're wigs, but they look like wigs to me. I'd have to look, but it's the taller one, the taller guy. And he looks younger than the other one. This is my favorite Vision of Love performance. This is the performance that made me a lamb. I love the amount of O's in it. It's my perfect amount. It's it's like more than the studio version, but less than another performance, which I think is over singing. And I think that this is her best performance of Vision of Love ever, in my opinion. And it didn't even need a whistle. They kind of slowed it down, changed the arrangement of it a little bit. And it was just iconic. It was iconic. This is my favorite performance of Vision of Love. And it was- it's the best version of vision of love but it's not my favorite one i do love the oh oh, oh, the seven of them because i love me an oh moment but it's it's i like how how she slows it down i like the simplicity of it it's not overproduced yeah it's it is iconic it's the best version do you wait gareth do you know the version we're speaking of I know the Good Morning America performance, yeah. With, like, the purple and pink in the background. Yeah. Yeah. And the curly hair. Yeah, it's kind of, like, almost dark in, in the the setting. It's it, it it's nice. You don't like it? 
I, d- I don't dislike it. It's just, I don't know, I feel like, because I've seen so many performances of Vision of Love, and I haven't watched them in any particular order, of course, but, like, I've just watched them as I've seen them. This is when I was, like, rediscovering, like, all of these. I mentioned it in the Cameron Barbo episode, about when I had to go, like, dig all the old stuff out, and it was all there on YouTube. But, like, I was just watching them as an excited lamb, and I liked it, but I just... I don't know, it's not, again, it's not another one I go back to. This is my favorite performance of it. And it gives me, like, a full-on Aretha moment. Like, she is fucking singing towards the end of this song. So, yeah, I love it. I like her interview with the Good Morning America guy, too, because she's, like, mad tired. And she's like, uh, whatever. And her low, like, whatever voice. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I do. And then after the interview, she fucking slays the song like she's not tired. And then I love at the end when she says turned out to be her mouth is like quivering, like, (laughs) like it's it's like moving, like it's like shaking in and out. But her note is so steady, but her mouth is like vibrating. It's amazing to watch, honestly. But um, are we ready to move on to another performance? Let's do it. All righty. So our next performance of Vision of Love is Nick's favorite performance. (laughs) It's not mine, but it is the Tattoo Club performance with the 12. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. That was it was released on the Tattoo Club MC30. Like, it was, like, the first thing she released for MC30, pretty much. And it was in the ugly gold dress. I think it's... Oh, I thought it was green. Yeah, I can't really tell because of the quality of the time and videos. It's, like, yellowish, green, we keep arguing over. We keep arguing over dress colors today, but we'll settle with gold on this one. Yeah, so, Nick, give us your feelings about this. I remember when this was released... For MC30, I'm sure y'all watched the little debut thing that she did on YouTube to release the Tattoo Club. It's not her best performance of Vision of Love, honestly. I think it's a little bit messy, in my opinion. But because of the O counter, and she does the 12 O's, some will argue that she does 13, but I don't count that last one because she's not saying O, but that's here nor there. But Yeah, I love this performance so much. I just, I always go back and watch the O's. I don't know why I'm obsessed with the O's. I just like how Mariah flexes with the O's. I'm talking about the O's too much. But yeah, that's my thoughts on the O's and this performance. And another thing, Lambs think it's like so extra when Mariah does these O's like this. I can't get off the O's. But you, there's two types of lambs. There's ones that love the O's and the flexing. And there's, there's the ones like Tia who say they're too much. No, bitch, you're literally taking what I say out of context. I say I love more than the album version. Like, I think that the album version could have done a few more. But the one on the Tattoo Club specifically, she does too many. Like, that's the only thing I've ever said about that. That's my favorite part of the song, Nick. So I don't know where you're getting this shit from, period. Yeah, I just feel like the amount of time she does it in that performance holds up the song. Like. It doesn't add to it at a certain point. It kind of takes away. But yeah. 
It's the best part of the song. She's literally like, bitch, I'm Mariah Carey. It's the best part of any performance of Vision of Love, in my opinion, except for that one. Like that one, she does too many, in my opinion. And I'm not a lamb who doesn't like the O's at the end. That run is iconic. That is the run. Like that is Mariah's moment. And it's my favorite part of the whole entire song. I just feel like she could have done like four less of them. Bitch, I wish she would have done four more of them. I wish she would have done 27 of them O's. I'd be living. No, I don't think so. I wish she was still that doing them. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish she was still doing them since 1990. Just <laughs> on, on like a loop. Just like, bitch, I'm tired. <laughs> and it was Yeah, I love the Tattoo Club moment. My favorite performance from it is that Aretha cover, the Don't Play That Song oh, For Me. Yes. Yeah, I think that's the one that shines through for me. The Vision of Love performance is very cute, but it is, it, it's just not my favorite one. So it's cool if that's your favorite one, Nick. And we love an O-run moment. But yeah, like I said, I love more than the studio version but less than the Tattoo Club performance. So that's my meter, my gauge meter of that run. It's like, you gotta have more than three, less than 12, so. I wish there was a YouTube compilation of 100 hours of O's. Oh my God. <laughs> there is, so you could look it up. I like the performance. I remember watching it probably just after the emancipation, like, you know, with the whole YouTube thing. And it was probably ripped straight from the VHS from the first vision, because I think that's where it was originally. Didn't really pay too much attention to the O's. But I think with all the performances we've got since, when it was released in 2020 for the first MC30 installment, I just couldn't get past the O's. And for me, it's too much because it feels like it just stays in one place for far too long. And I, we've said it before, I think you said it before, Gia, where she does less O's, she does more with the notes. And I feel like that's nicer because she plays around with it and she can go high or whatever and then she can go into the, the rest of the song. But this is not my favourite performance of Vision of Love. My favourite Vision of Love performance is in 2005 or 6, on, is it on the BET or BET Awards or whatever it is? I love that performance. That is my favorite. Her voice is like That's more lived in and she, I feel like she's more confident singing that song at this point. You're, I, that's my second favorite performance of it. I don't know it. I met a live performance lamb and I had to go back and watch you don't these know performances. The, I don't you know. Don't know. I'm sure BET I've seen it. Blueprint performance of Vision of Love with the straight hair, Emancipation of Mimi, black dress with a butterfly on it. She Bitch, I'm sure I've probably note. seen it. She just I just like, don't remember oh, it. Oh, 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 oh. Like that. When she I, said, 
But you have to remember that Vision of Love is like Mariah's most performed song ever, like next to Hero. Like there are so many Vision of Love performances, it's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But the BT one, I think that there's like five O's in it. I'm not sure. We don't have the O counter for this one. We'll play it. We'll play that part of it. But it is so good. She it's plays so like around with it more though. Remember, she like does that. Ah, and then she goes. And yes, the big and, belt at the end of the run. Yeah, and then she's like, um, oh, she does like a few high ones, and then she goes and says, oh, like that. Yeah, she it's says, so good. It's so good, Gareth. I honestly cannot knock you for that being a favorite. Like Nick's favorite's crazy in my opinion, but yours, <laughs> yes, I agree with. I get why it's Nick's favorite, but I just. Well, why the song is, but not because of the O's. I don't get that part. But It's not my favorite vocally. It's just my favorite because of the extra O's. <laughs> That's it. Like, I have favorite vocally, which is the next one that we're going to talk about. But I just love the fucking O's. All right. So our next performance of Vision of Love is an iconic one. It's probably my third favorite one. And it is Mariah Carey's first performance on SNL. Nick gets emotional watching it. Tell us a little bit about that, Nick, would you? Okay, so when I was going back and watching these performances for this episode, I was literally almost to tears, not because of the performance, because I stopped and started thinking about, God, like this happens to me sometimes. actually getting kind of choked up now thinking about it like I watched like early performances of Mariah and I think about all she went through from the debut until now and I get really really emotional about it and I think about how proud I am of Mariah and that's the moment that I had today come on proud of Mariah Woo! we love that she has been through it and it is really cool to go back to her first fucking single and think about where she's come since then because that bitch has fucking done that she fucking did that but i also and you're gonna hate on me for this i i know i don't even want to say it because i know you're gonna hate on me for this but this also happens to me when i watch the original all i want for christmas video is and the new 2020 all i want for christmas is you video or the 2019 one it happens to me all the time i cry when i Listen to All I Want for Christmas is, is You because I was so proud of Mariah for getting that 19th number one. And I get very nostalgic and think about all the shit that she went through. But it's weird to say that I cry to All I Want for Christmas is You, but I get so proud of Mariah and the shit she had to go through. So it, I don't know. I'm I'm gay as fuck. No, it's good to be proud because we get we get a lot, a lot of comments for going hard on Mariah. And it's good to have a moment where we are just appreciating, right? So I'm sure some listener out there is going to be like, okay, finally, like, you know, so I can't knock you for that at all. Like Mariah deserves her flowers when she deserves them. And, <laughs> and we love her. We love her. We don't go hard. I think we just have opinions and we have we are entitled to them. <laughs> I didn't say we went hard, but you know lambs think we go hard. Mm. But I totally get where you're coming from with this, Nick, to be fair, because I have probably not moments like what you've just said, but similar. Because when you think about, if you've read the book, when you think about from like her being, I don't know, I don't want to bracket people, but when you're like a statistic and you're um, an everyday person on the street or whatever, I know we shouldn't think of each other like that because no one is that, but like, you know, she gets her 
moment, but she's on SNL. Patrick Swayze is on there. It's a huge thing. Like, could you imagine yourself, like, being taken out of, like, obscurity? And, like, hang on a second. I'm on SNL. Patrick Swayze is over there. That's huge. You'll have seen him in all these movies at that point and growing up. Then a few years down the line, you write something as iconic as All I Want For Christmas Is You, which nearly didn't happen if she hadn't if she hadn't have made that Christmas album and not you know just gone in straight to do another album like a regular album like that might not have happened until later who knows what kind of impact it would have had in a different time so it's very very understandable to feel proud and also to think about one million people being like oh I fucking like this song let me go out and buy it that's a crazy amazing feeling to have for her like People loved this song. People resonated with this song. People woke up when they heard Mariah. People turned their head when she came on the radio. People were like, oh, fuck, who is this bitch? Like, people resonated with Mariah. So it feels good to go back and think about, like, oh, no, she's not just the queen of the Lamely or the queen of Christmas. She is Mariah Carey. And people like Mariah Carey they might not want to admit it they might not want to say it now they might not like her anymore but at one point one million motherfucking people went out to the fucking store to the record store bought them a little vision of love and were like yes honey you know what I mean so it's yeah she should be proud we should be proud going back into this episode another thing that I really love about this episode of SNL and her first time on it is that she looks so comfortable so composed I love the little promos on there she just looks so in her element I loved it so much yeah she looked very 90s with her jean jacket as well so what's the O counter on this song Gia All right, let's get back into this performance. It was hosted by the late, great Patrick Swayze. We miss him dearly. I just watched Ghost the other day. You in Danger Girl. I fucking love that movie. Um, There's seven O's in the O counter, which matches my Good Morning America. We love seven O's. That's the sweet spot for me. It's the first time we see Trey Lorenz in the background that we can recall. And then Walter's on the piano and we see Randy Jackson on the bass. Yeah. Again, it it makes me emotional. It's such a like weird thing to see all these people that like are still kind of in Mariah's life and are not in Mariah's life just in this one performance. It just, it's so interesting to watch. And Randy Jackson just back there plucking on the bass before anybody even knew who the fuck Randy Jackson was. Right. I I remember going back and looking at that being like, whoa, there's Randy in the back. Like, I I remember. Yeah. All right, so shall we move on to another performance from Mariah? Are you guys ready? Yeah, I think this is the last one that we're going to talk about. Okay, so the last performance that we are going to talk about um, that we feel is notable. There, I mean, we can give some honorable mentions before. Like, we love a Tokyo Dome vision of love. We love a Madison Square Garden vision of love. We love like any performance of Vision of Love. They're all iconic. We love a Thanksgiving special Vision of Love. All of them. If we didn't mention your favorite, we apologize. But we need to talk about the Jimmy Kimmel 
2017 performance where Mariah performed Vision of Love after the New Year's Eve fiasco, darling. You know, the one where she looked very nervous and she was in that red dress and performed I Don't as well. Also, she, we don't have an O counter for this one because she growled on the O moment. Yeah, I think she did like two O's, but she, this is the first time I remember really seeing her growling O. So that was really special to me. But this performance is really important because this is the first time that she performed after everything happened with New Year's Eve. Oh, God. Yes. I remember being so excited for this performance because I was a fresh new lamb. And like I said, the the um, New Year's Eve moment is like what made me like follow along with her career, like in real time at that point. So when I remember this coming on, I was just like, yes, she's up there and she's singing this song live and she's shutting down all the fucking haters who had anything to say about the New Year's Eve thing. Yeah, of course it didn't like emancipate her, like re-emancipate her or anything or bring her back, but it just felt good for me, especially at that point when I was like, I was like one of those young lambs who was like, da, 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 Mariah, oh, you want to come for my bitch? Blah, 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 blah. Like I was that girl back in the day. So it just felt really good to have a receipt post um, New Year's Eve that was like, oh, she can't sing? Well, wh- tell me why I just saw her sing live last night. Like, okay. We all have those moments as lambs when we're baby lambs. So I understand that baby lamb moment that you had where you had to defend Mariah. So kudos to you. I was out there doing the Lord's work, you guys. So do we have anything else to say about this performance? I know it wasn't like the biggest one or anything. So I think Gareth has something to say. I think a really important thing to add to all of these is all of these performances she sung live. They were not lit. So these are why they are so iconic. I don't necessarily believe there is a lipped version of Vision of Love. To me, the only, I don't think she ever lip synced Vision of Love ever until she like re-recorded it and quote unquote performed it on Good Morning America in 2020, you know, from her house. Do you remember that one performance um, with the curly hair on like the 30th anniversary when she performed it? I could definitely tell that that was like recorded and she was like performing it like in the house. But other than that, like, no, there's not. And literally, I don't even want to count that as lip sync because she re-recorded the whole entire song for it. So she obviously had to fucking sing it (laughs) Mm. to perform it. You know what I mean? So it literally, it's a non-fact. So she's never lip synced this performance. I will literally like ride for that statement any day. Like who really gives a fuck at the end of the day? Like this is her song. She can lip it if she fucking wants to, but she hasn't. So who gives a shit? I just wanted to point it out because there are some lambs out there, (coughs) Gia, who who love to point out when Mariah is lip syncing and ruining the fantasy for all the lambs who just want to live in a perfect world where Mariah sings live all the time. So. Okay, yeah. but 
I don't think I'm that lamb. Like you put me in a box that I I don't belong in. So I don't bitch, love. You do it all, I don't bitch. I don't do it love, all the time. You were doing it to me yesterday, bitch. Like <laughs> I sent you a fucking post, and I was and you like, said, oh. "Go look, Mariah's lip syncing. Mariah's lip syncing. No, I Mariah's didn't. I said, yes, you, you tell? did. I said, "Can you tell when she's lip syncing?" But That's don't point that shit out to me because I live in my I fantasy. Point it out. I didn't then what did you out. do? Then what Diego did you do? pointed it out, not me. I didn't. Oh, point it out. oh, we didn't pull Diego into it until the end. <laughs> oh, you're funny because I didn't point it out. Then who pointed it out? out? The mystery. Diego person? pointed it out. Diego yeah. didn't point it out. You pointed it out, and then when oh, I no, didn't I give didn't. you any attention, I was, I was, you oh, pulled bitch, Diego not, into the conversation. I was not, honey. Girl, bye. Girl, bye. Girl, bye. Girl, bye. I didn't point out. Bye. I didn't point out when she was lip syncing in that latest performance that we got. I said it was a perfect performance. I didn't give a shit if it was lip sync i didn't say nothing in the podcast so i don't know what you're talking about honey justified 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 she lives in like her life that performance. i didn't say justified nothing like i didn't say justified. nothing justified. i didn't say justified. nothing justified. i did justified. not say nothing justified nothing but anyways i don't give a shit that mariah lip syncs whatever I, and i only point out I don't ever even point out when she lip syncs, but I just think it's weird that you cannot tell when she's lip syncing. That's the only thing because it's so fucking obvious when she is. That's my thing. I don't care that she lip syncs at all. You can live in your perfect world where you barely pay attention to live performances anyway. So you don't know when she's lip syncing because you don't even watch a live performance. So bye. And I will live in that fantasy world. And you can't take that away from me, no matter how hard you try. We love a delusional lamb. Girl, bye, bye. Well, shall we move on from live performances and onto a recorded moment, which is the music video? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) The music video that's completely lip synced because it's obviously a video to the studio recording. In case anybody was unaware. But everyone does that to a music video. Yeah, I know. Back to the lip syncing conversation. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) The video takes place in a large cathedral-like room with a large winding staircase throughout the video. With a large winding staircase. Throughout the video, the scenery changes several times with a cloudy and sunny day to a glowing sunset. These time shifts are seen through a large carved window in like the grand room that she's in. The video begins with Carrie's hair in long golden curls and her wearing a tight skin tight black romper type moment, like a a jumpsuit. She sits on a large window ledge, staring into the different colors of the sky. As the video progresses, Carrie is joined by a small black cat, which accompanies her as she meditates on a large stairwell. After after the song's second verse, a large microphone is seen in the middle of the room where scenes of Carrie singing and standing on the window ledge interchange. The last scenes show Carrie staring out into the meadow, smiling, According to the author, Chris Nicholson, during the scenes of Carrie by the large window, it is obvious that she is praying to God and connecting to her creator. He felt alongside the song's lyrics of faith and prayer, the video's mention of meditation truly went hand in hand. Also, one other thing that we forgot to mention in here is that 
there's like a tree and a rope swing. Like, I feel like the rope swing is like a very huge part of the the moment. Like she's also like, does she, doesn't she like swing on the swing? I think she's sitting in the swing with that fucking cat. I also want to add that, and I know you're going to shade me so hard with this coming out of that lip sync argument, but I did not ever notice that there was a cat in the video until today when I was watching it for this episode. You're not a real lamb. Like, I literally... <laughs> I had no idea. I literally, like... I, anyway, we're just gonna, like, pretend that we, I didn't even hear that, because... The cat is quite forgetful. Like, I'd forgot. I, I know it's... She's there, the like, cat. on the stairs, petting it the whole time. She's, it's, like, in her arms. Like, the cat is in the video. I know, like, but it's, it's, like... I mean, I, I wouldn't sit past Nick to not yeah. notice. So, like, it's literally—I'm literally not surprised that he said that at all. So, I remember watching this music <laughs> video back, and I was kind of like, "Oh my god, yeah, there is a cat in here," and I'd forgotten about the cat completely. Well, Mariah has been very vocal about this music video as well because she has stated that she really does not love this video. <laughs> she well, also, also said something a... about wearing a black spandex. Her a direct quote is, she was wearing a black spandex rancid ensemble in a black dress. Well, that also her... it's notable that this is the second version that was filmed. A whole entire other version of the video was filmed in where Mariah was in a bedroom wearing like some sort of lingerie type moment and Tommy had an issue with it. So they scrapped that whole entire video and remade it. That pissed off a lot of people that they redid that video because they thought that they were giving Mariah favoritism because she was with Tommy Mottola, basically. And they thought that, that it was a waste of money that they did that video when it was honestly Tommy's idea to change the original video into the very 90s video that it is today yeah honestly like i would love to see the original video one day but i'm sure it was destroyed or something so who knows tommy probably has it in a vault all right so after the album sony hired bojan bazani to direct the music video after filming the first version like we said the record label executives felt the result was subpar in comparison to the quality of the music. They scrapped the first video and refilmed it, which is the current version that we have today. Andy Morahan um, changed the plot and scenery and images. So this version, the version that we have... There's a part in the video, they used to have the show on VH1, and I posted a reel about this a couple weeks ago, where Mariah is singing and... It's kind of towards the climax, and she takes her hair to her head, and you can see her rip hair out of her head. But they had this show on VH1 back in the day, and I'm kind of showing my age with this as well, which was called Pop-Up Music Video. This was a video on that show, and I can't find it anywhere on the internet. And Lamps, if you can find it, please send it, because it had a lot of interesting tea on this video. I can't remember all the tea, but I do remember the tea of her ripping her hair out, and Mariah discussing how much she hated that, and how embarrassed she was of that it's hard to catch but if you can catch it you're a real lamb yeah just like you're not one so anyways another notable moment for this song is the 1991 grammys in which mariah carey won her first mother freaking grammy in 1991 when she received the award for best new artist she also won for best pop vocal performance the same year for vision of love where she also performed it as well 
we didn't bring up that performance, but it does have an iconic intro where it looks like the sun is like cracking in half and like birthing her out of the universe. And we love it. She's wearing like that black dress with like the diamond things that keep falling off her shoulder. And she's like, okay, I got to keep putting it back up. You know, um, I do feel like the music like is a little slow and she's like trying to like not sing faster than the music in that performance we don't have an o counter for it but i feel like it's just three of them like it's very studio recording version of the song Yes. Isn't there isn't there a camera cut where they cut to Aretha Franklin in that Grammy performance as well? I don't know, but why would you? Because you don't like live performances, so. Girl. <laughs> I'm going to be shady. I'm going to be shady. Because how are you going to say you don't even like live performances, but get mad when I'm like, oh, she lipped that one. Uh, did you even watch that performance? I don't know. Because anyway. you obviously didn't listen to me because I don't give a fuck if she's lipping or not, bitch. Like, but I don't either. But I don't either. Then why do you keep pointing it out? I don't keep pointing it out. You literally keep bringing it back up and pointing it out. It was in your notes that none of these were lip synced. So who brought it up? You literally just brought it up again. (laughs) Anyways, the artwork for this physical release of the CD, CD, of the US CD version was released only for promotional use. The promotional CD release is one of the most gorgeous slash prized possessions that Nick owns. It's a digipack that folds out to the image of Mariah that is pictured on the back of the debut with the green background and Mariah in front of the microphone in that black dress. It's iconic, but do we like that green color? I hate the green color, but I do love this promo that that was released. It's interesting. I didn't know that it was only released as a promo on CD initially. And and a a fun fact about it, it's the very first Mariah Carey album that was ever released. It's so, so beautiful. I love it so much. I'm very lucky to own it. And yeah, but yeah, it does fold out into that like image of her in front of the mic that's on the back. Actually, really, I actually really like that green color. It's kind of cute to me. It's giving me like a marble, like coffee table type moment. I don't know. I like it. Was it was a choice. It was a choice, but we got that iconic image of Mariah in front of the mic. So I'm, I'm grateful for it, but it, like green. I feel like that green marble effect, it was because it was done so often and so much throughout like the late 80s, early 90s. I feel like once it sort of faded out and stopped and no one was doing it anymore, if ever it was like seen, people sort of like, oh. And I think now when you look back, it kind of is a bit more retro now. I, I'm not. It I'm is not very retro. I'm not mad at it. I think it's cute. It is very of the time. But I think if if people started to bring it back a little bit, like here and there, not a huge moment because we don't want it to repeat itself fully, but I just don't think it would look that ugly. I don't think it does look ugly now, to be fair. I think that it's a really cute color, but if it were to be anything else, like a light purple in that same marble type moment would be cute. Ooh, I, could, I would love a light purple. That That's actually a good idea. Yeah, like kind of about... like the here we go around again. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. For real, for real. But we did is... talk about this in the Obsessed episode that she did redo the images for the Memoirs album. And I really like those. It still has the green, but 
Yeah, but I it's don't a have anything against. Yeah, I don't have anything against it. Like, I just think it's a choice. I still love this image of her. I love the curly Raya. I love the hair blown in her face. Her mouth just a little bit open. It's it's what they did for Mariah's packaging during this time and her debut era was just so on point. And she's so very lucky to have these images, and they're so iconic to what Mariah Carey's image is today. Like, ugh, I'm I'm obsessed with it. I just don't really love the green. It's not that I'm hating on. I just don't love the green. That's all. <laughs> the diva standing at the mic is iconic. It's mm-hmm. perfect. All right. Do we have any more thoughts on Vision of Love, you guys? All right. All right. So to conclude, how do we feel about this as Mariah's first single slash first number one slash intro to the world? Harping back to the beginning of the episode where we were talking, where I was talking about and Gareth was talking about how we didn't, we knew of Mariah, but we weren't wig snatched yet. I really feel like Vision of Love is such an iconic song for Mariah Carey. And I know G is going to shade me for this, but I don't really go back and revisit it a lot. I don't really love early Mariah. I mean, I love early Mariah, but I don't go back and listen to it often. I know that a lot of lambs love debut Raya. They love everything about it, but it's just like, and we kind of talked about this in the Cam Barbo episode. I feel like it's a lot, it's very manufactured. I don't feel like it's genuinely what Mariah wanted to put out there. And I don't connect to it on a deeper level, but I still do like it. So those are my final thoughts on it. I think it's an iconic, 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 iconic debut single and she deserves it. God literally gave her this song and was like, here you go, Mariah, go snatch all the wigs. So she's very lucky to have it. But like, I don't revisit it a lot. I do love it, though. I don't know why you think I would shade you for that. But anyway, like, I don't disagree with you at all. Like, I love this song. It's the song I have tattooed on my arm. And it is a complete wig snatch. Like, she literally did that there's nothing wrong with it at all but I can totally relate to what you're saying about anything that's really post butterfly to me I always have this thing in the back of my head where was she happy with this completely like was she forced to do this certain things like she said many things about all of the music that she had to make back in the day and you you guys know I'm a butterfly era lamb like I am a butterfly and post butterfly girl like I am a remix lamb I am an R&B lamb so yes of course I love the song but to me it lives in the live performances it is a live song it is not the studio recording for me so it it is what it is like it is amazing it is the number one you know it is her debut. And yeah, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It's all great. But yeah, I, I don't go back to it like I used to. You know, I used to listen to this song every day, 10 times a day, but I'm past that. You know, it's just, it lives in the live performances for me. So that's how I feel. And it's got that sound of the time, like of the early 90s, late 80s. And that is a very unique sound that I just don't, love but it is such a great song one thing i will say about the studio recorded version is that i feel as though towards the end when we get to the like the background vocals with the so faithfully faithfully like i just feel like the background vocals are funny to me like they are like very 
I know exactly where they're going to be. And it's a little kitschy to me. Like, I love the use of the background vocals, but it's very much in its infancy with the background vocals. And it's very an old style. Like, they are very much in the foreground, but they are the background. And it's, they're kind of cheesy to me. But when, when it's done live, it sounds better, in my opinion. Do you mean the, uh, that bit, or? Not even. I think she's saying stuff like where like she comes in and she's like, and I know that you did. Oh yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Like the so faithfully, faithfully, and then the and you know that you did. Like all of those ones, they feel very much like, oh, I'm ready for that one to come. Oh, and here comes this one. You know, like when I hear the studio recording, it's like structured, like in a way that feels like tight like it's not loose you know I don't know how to explain further but it feels like controlled you know I like it though I like it go ahead Gary I know I was just gonna say like as if as if you can't take your time with it on stage because of where everything comes in so it always has to happen at those times yes yes yeah that's a very good point because at the um and I know that you did that part like I always love because there's so much going on in the background that Mariah can't even sing that part live. And it's always a background singer singing. And I know that you did. And I love that, but. Thankfully, I just feel like they're sung funny on the studio recording. Like they said, like they always make me laugh. Like, I don't know why. I think they're perfectly polished. I think that the, the studio recording of Vision of Love is so perfectly polished. It's just such an, um, Mariah is so blessed to have this song as her debut song. It's literally saying they, they marketed, they marketed it so correct. It's just like, I'm that bitch. I can sing this high. I can sing that low. I am fucking Mariah Carey. And it's also, she's also blessed to be able to have this song as a, a first single because obviously then people could have chimed in and be like, no, you're going to do this as the first single. And it could have been something written by somebody else. You know what I mean? Like she was at the very beginning or she could have written it and not had the writing credit. I think Christina Aguilera had her writing credit taken off Genie in a Bottle. I mean, I said it in the beginning. It does have, like you just said, it does have a bit of a timestamp there. There's certain songs that probably came out around this time if you think of artists like martika Winnie houston celine dion and it's just like ah, it's stuck it's just stuck and musically it does have a bit of a time stamp but because it's like a nice slow uh, soulful ballad it kind of does lift it a little bit from it but the vocals obviously do send it soaring to somewhere where it's completely timeless and it's it's nice that we have this as yes the lead the very first single the first number one all of that great but also you know when we talk about her r&b stuff like her r&b ballads and whatnot and we we sort of do go back a little bit and uh, talk about hero and sometimes people have mixed feelings over hero because of um how schmaltzy it is and how it can be deemed as cheesy but to be able to go back even further this almost becomes like a bit of a hidden gem. Yeah, because people might just go back to Hero if their parents, I'm talking about the younger people now, like if their parents have listened to Hero, if they grew up on Hero, so they know of Hero, then they probably don't know Vision of Love that much. So it is always nice to, like for me as well, like I discovered it knowing of Without You and All About the Christmas Is You and Heartbreaker and Blood, you know, later 
more later stuff and you know peak onwards so when i sort of realized this i just thought wow this is absolutely iconic there is no other word for this song other than iconic but could you imagine if any other song from the debut was the lead like imagine if someday was the lead single imagine if i don't want to cry was the lead single imagine if um prisoner love takes time or prison i mean prisoner would be a cute lead single not gonna lie but um (laughs) Imagine if any of the actual singles were the lead and not Vision of Love. Like, I, it it would be different. Like, I just yeah. cannot imagine any other song being Mariah Carey's first song other than this song, you know? It, it is so perfectly calculated mm. on their part, and we have to give credit where credit is due to Tommy Mottola for that. So mm. what he did just with this first single and setting that standard for Mariah is incredible. Yeah. There was a standard, absolutely. Yeah, it probably wouldn't have. People probably would have would have liked it, but pr- it probably wouldn't have hit the same as what it did because it was it, even with that intro, it was almost like she was delivered to us or you know the artist was born you know it was it was it was an arrival moment it absolutely was like like i said from the first moment you hear that like gong type like moment like shimmery chime go off to the end of that song it is like the queen has arrived like she is fucking here yeah 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 she said, oh, 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, I could not imagine any other run beginning a career of hers. Like, I just cannot. Like, it is that moment for me. Like, when the first time I heard the studio recording of the song and heard that first moment of the, the little intro and then the run i was like oh this bitch is about to fucking gag me up like i literally she was about to fucking choke me out and kill me bitch like i knew it i knew from the first moment i knew it i'm gonna right, go back and listen to the debut after this now because yeah, I, I, I am a, too I, yeah i'm in a mood now so i've already listened to vision of love like 10 times a day but now i want to listen to the <laughs> And I know that you did. I love that part, Gia. Faithfully. <laughs> All right, you guys. Thank you for listening to our break breakdown of Vision of Love. I hope that we inspired you to go back and revisit the debut and even this iconic, iconic, iconic single. And any of the live performances of it as well. Make sure that you follow us on Instagram, rate, review, and subscribe. Give us a five-star rating on Spotify. Make sure you follow us on all of our social medias. That include Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Reddit, TikTok, all of them. We're all out there. Rate, review, and subscribe this podcast, especially on Spotify. Give us a five-star rating. And we hope you enjoyed this episode of Break Breakdown. And we will see you next week for a brand new episode on the obsessed podcast thanks you guys thank you bye-bye bye-bye